It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. That is from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Well known, a lot of people, they will say that's our life verse, that's our favorite verse. And if it's yours, man, you've picked a good one. This is Bert along with Dr. Alex McFarland, and it's our joy to be with you today on Fire Away Friday. Alex, we always look forward to that. Let me give that number because we don't want to wait too long. 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. Alex, we're ready to take those calls in a few minutes. Just uh, can't wait to get to them, brother. Now, what is our record on Fireway Friday? What what are the most numbers of questions we've ever gotten to, Bert? One time we got to twenty. One did time, we? yeah, we did, and uh, that was cutting you short, Alex. Listen, uh, I, I, you know, well, I, some days I need to be cut short. <laughs> but, well, uh, some people answer it in a sentence; others have a paragraph. You're a paragraph answer. Well, we're going to give that number, 888-589-8840. We'd love to have your call and Bible question. Uh, You know, yesterday, Bert, was a National Day of Prayer, and uh, I was quite moved, really, by all the people that called in and prayed, and we did lift up a lot of prayer requests, and just the the insights and the words of our listeners just moved my heart. Uh, I mean, it we had a a Holy Spirit-led show yesterday. We did. You can't. You, you watch comparing. Comparing can get you into trouble. But just yeah. let me say, yesterday was awesome. It, it is hard, hard to beat yesterday. Day of prayer. And we would say today, you know, we, we won't knock out prayer requests today. Now, we're, it's Fire Away Friday, so we usually take questions, but we also take prayer requests. So uh, we, we enjoy doing that because we feel like this is a, a large Bible study, nationwide Bible study. And in Bible studies, you you'd study the Bible, but you also... Uh, pray for one another, don't you? You do. You know, um, I'll give this verse and we'll go straight to the cause, but you mentioned Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. It's funny, I was signing a book this morning, one of our books. You and I wrote the 100 Bible Questions and Answers, and somebody was getting that book this morning, and uh, I was asked to if I would sign it and put a Bible verse. Yeah. And guess what verse I put? I put that yeah. one. Well, when Proverbs. I do it, I usually use Philippians one six. When we were up in Paris, a lot of folks had those books. And uh, Philippians one six and Proverbs uh, 3, 5, and 6. If you live your life according to those two verses uh, in Proverbs and Philippians. You're going to uh, be good. Yeah, that's exactly right, Alex. Well, where should we go first, Bert? Well, we're still getting people online. They're still calling, and there we have our first one. So we're ready to go, and we've got lines that are open, 888-589-8840. Let's go to Maggie in Texas. Welcome, Maggie. And Yes, Bert. Um, um, I've called before very seldom, but I want to avoid some confusion that started um, a couple of nights ago, late at night, when I listened to a program that was talking about which scriptures um, pertain to the final coming back of return of Jesus when he sets foot on the Mount of Olives. What I'm interested in is the scriptures that pertain to when Jesus comes back to catch his church up. And I think I'm correct in the one, the parable of Matthew 25 and then Luke 21, 36. Those talk specifically about the um, return of Christ for the rapture. And if there are any other scriptures, I would like to know them because I'm getting mixed messages in different programs. So I just don't want to be confused and give out the wrong info when I'm talking to people. Well, let me just t- say this word, Maggie. When it comes to eschatology and when it comes to the Lord's return, there are some of the passages that s- lends itself to, okay, which time is it? But there's some, to me, 
that are very clear, Alex. And I would say First Thessalonians, uh, when it talks about the Lord's return, it talks about both of them. But at first it says the dead in Christ will rise first. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind, much of that is the rapture. And uh, so, but anytime, anytime you talk about eschatology, Maggie, have a little, uh, there's no leeway that he's coming back. There's no leeway that he's going to come back as he went away. But Alex, uh, you've got to be careful on just putting everything down so definitely. There's, uh, and I don't mean, I'm not trying to skirt the issue, but uh, I'd rather be general and and then to be wrong. You catch what I'm saying? Yeah, and, uh, you know, this is a wonderful subject, uh, the subject of eschatology, end times. And let let me just say that all of Christendom has believed that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is literally coming back, and uh, he will rule and reign, and the, the fallen, godless systems of this world will be vanquished, and Christ will rule and reign. And you know, I quote this all the time, but I love it how the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk says that the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. So, mark it down. All true Christians believe Jesus is coming back. Now, within that, and, and I, I honestly think there's wisdom. The Holy Spirit gave all the words of the Bible. And, you know, I, I believe, you know, you read Zechariah 14, and he'll, his feet will touch the Mount of Olives, and the Mount of Olives will split in two, and he will stand on the Mount of Olives at that last day. I mean, you think about the, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, which was at the base of the Mount of Olives, he was knelt in prayer, sweating drops of blood. But the next time our Lord is at the Mount of Olives, he'll be standing there victorious. And then, you you know, you read in uh, Revelation 20 uh, how Satan is bound and um, Christ rules and reigns for a thousand years. And then, you know, you read verses like in 1 Thessalonians 4 that um, the trumpet of God will sound and, and he'll come back. You know, Christ, shortly before he ascended to heaven in Matthew 24, 30, and 31, he talked about the sign of the Son of Man in heaven and all the earth will mourn. Now, Bert, here's what I'm going to say, and Bert, I'd love your feedback on this. The Bible tells many things. Christ is coming back. The, The believers will appear before the judgment seat of Christ and be rewarded. Non-believers will appear before the great white throne and will be condemned. Uh, Christ will rule and reign for a thousand years, and after that, eternity proper. Here's my point, and Bert, this is where I want you to correct me if I'm wrong. There are so many details. Equally good, well-intentioned, godly people have tried to put them in order. To be honest, I think the exact order of every bit of detail probably is known only to God. <laughs> I agree. And, and again, I am pre, you know, millennial, pre, pre-trib. I am. Me too. But I, I want to just tell you, I, I tell folks I'm 99%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the reason I say that is because I just want to tell you, as you just said, some godly, I'm talking about people that, man, they love the Lord. They love his word. And uh, they, they've got some questions on that. Let me just tell you this, and I, I thought of this, the mystery. You know, it, in the Old Testament, the mystery was the church. Now, here, when it comes, why? Well, it was clear after it happened. <laughs> after the church was birthed, you look back and say, oh, man, yeah, yeah, yes, we see that. About the second coming of the Lord, we know he's coming back. We know he's coming back visibly. He's coming back physically. We know he's coming in the clouds at one time. We know he's coming and touching his feet on the the Mount of Olives one time. But there's enough mystery in it, Alex, that lets us just worship him, that the mystery is in adoration of him. If we completely knew that and understood that, where would the mystery be? And God's always had that little do you know what I mean? That that oh, yeah. that mystery. I, I haven't figured out the sovereignty of God and free will of man completely. That's some mystery. Right. I haven't figured out the Trinity. I believe it, and I know it's true, but it's still a mystery. Have you noticed many of the great doctrines of God was had some mystery to it? And I think his second coming has that as well. 
Well, um, one of the key verses, because she did mention this, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18, is one of the classic rapture passages about the Lord comes down from heaven, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God. I'm going to say this, and I know we need to move on, but John Walford was a great scholar. Was Bert was... John John W. Walford, John F. Walford, was he at Dallas? He was. Dallas Theological Seminary, he was. He said, uh, and he wrote much about, you know, end times, uh, he believed that about one out of every 25 New Testament verses spoke towards the end times <laughs> yeah. and the return of Christ. So um, clearly... Uh, the Bible is just absolutely clear as could be that Christ is coming back. We know it. We believe it. I, per- Bert, I'm with you. I think it's rapture, tribulation, Armageddon, return, thousand-year millennium, new heavens, new earth. Um, but, you know, the beautiful thing about it is we all agree, and uh, I-, I definitely think this is not something we need to burn bridges over. Like I said, when equally well-intentioned, Jesus-loving, godly people, maybe they put their verses in a different order than I do, but we all agree Christ is coming back. We better not make that a test of complete fellowship, not now, not in the days in which we live. Yesterday, you talked about it, the unity that we need to have, and uh, that's one of those areas. You better uh, have some grace, and that that number, 888 uh, we're going to go to Bill in Virginia. Bill, we may not, uh, you may have to stay on with us through the break, but let us hear your question. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Oh, thank you. So my question is, um, when the rapture takes place, will everyone see Jesus? I think no, based on what I read. But when he returns to earth, everyone will. That's that's my question. I just want to confirm okay. that. Alex, don't have a lot of time. I, I agree with the first one for sure. Yes. Uh, you know, every every eye will see, every tongue will confess, every knee will bow to the glory of God the Father. Uh, the world mocks now, but one day everybody will know he is the one. And, you know, when I read Zechariah, I think about those that mourn. I mean, to see Christ face to face, some are going to rejoice, some are going to be terrified, some will weep. And we want to see him. We want to be ready. Uh, look up. Your redemption draws nigh, so it's near. That number, we've got lines open today. We took a lot of phone calls yesterday, but today they're coming in a little slower. But that number, 888-589-8840. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Congressman Earl Blumenauer of Oregon. He has represented Oregon's 3rd Congressional District since 1996. Philippians 2.13 reminds us of the importance of including God's will in leadership decisions. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Earl Blumenauer as he represents the people of Oregon each day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Having occasional down days is pretty normal, but when they start stringing together, Dr. Tony Evans says it's kind of like a problem some pro athletes face. He'll explain today as we spend two minutes with Tony. Baseball players often run into a slump. They strike out, they ground out, they pop up, and they're not being effective for their role at the bat. Sometimes life can put you in a slump where day after day and week after week, you're not experiencing deliverance, you're not experiencing strength, you're in a slump. When Jesus was on earth, he walked with his disciples and he came alongside of them to assist them in the various things in life they faced. But Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you by yourself. 
I'm still going to be with you, but I'm going to be with you through the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, whose job it will be to help you. If you are depressed, he can help you with encouragement. If you are discouraged, he can help you with new strength. If you are afraid, he can help you with calming your fears. If you are alone, he can be a friend. He is God's provision in Jesus's place to meet us at the point of need. What this means that the enemy wants everybody to forget is that you are never ever alone. Learn more about what it means to have God's presence live inside you. Check out Tony's book, The Power of the Holy Spirit's Names, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 1, 3. American Family Radio. Word of God speak. Welcome back. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I'm finding myself in the midst of you. Beyond the music. Beyond the noise. I hope you're planning on being in church Sunday. And uh, it's my privilege. I'm going to be at Hoffmeyer Road Baptist, which is in uh, Florence, South Carolina. And there's a 9 a.m. service. There's an 11 a.m. service and two different campuses. So if you're down there near Mullins, Florence, Dillon, South Carolina, I'll be doing morning and evening services. And their website, I'm sure you can find it. It's spelled like H-O-F-F-M-E-Y-E-R, Hoffmeyer Road Baptist down there in Florence, come on out. It's going to be a great day. But Bert, I was thinking about something. Now, we always encourage people, be in church on Sunday, and we do. But go to Sunday school, too, and I'll tell you something. For one thing, corporate worship, go into into preaching, as we say, that's good, and you need to do that. Big church. Big church. Big church. Yeah. (laughs) But you need to be in Bible study, and Sunday school is good. And here's the deal. You might learn something on exploring the Word that you can share in Sunday school, and everybody's going to say, Wow, they are so spiritual. They, they, they come prepared. <laughs> but anyway, be in church on Sunday. I just, I think that is a very vital part of a healthy Christian life. Amen. I'll be at Auburn Baptist Church where I'm interim pastor. Uh, first service is at eight forty-five. Uh, excuse me, eight thirty, and then the second service is at ten forty-five. Get my uh, last two digits mixed up. Eight thirty and ten forty-five. We'd love to see you there. Well, let's go to the phone lines and talk. go to Ohio and talk to Olga. Olga, welcome. Is it Olga? Yes, hi. Yes, go right ahead. Um, I just wanted to know, uh, okay, so the Bible speaks about God knowing the um, days of our lives. Um, now, when somebody commits suicide, I'm... I'm sure, you know, that's not a surprise to the Lord, but how does that apply to that um, passage of when the Bible says that um, God knows the the number of our days? Okay. Is that, um, mm. how does that apply to uh, someone taking their lives, um, committing suicide? Okay. We, we know suicide, self-murder, mm. thou shalt not murder, that is wrong. But they're cutting God short. It is yes. not God's will. It's not God's plan. Alex, uh, you know, there's some things like uh, Moses, when he died, it says his strength was not weak. His eyesight had not dimmed. God created him to be able to go not only take him out of Egypt, but take him in to the promised land. But because of disobedience and striking the rock, his time was cut short. So God's got plans for you. Don't cut God short by disobedience, especially suicide. Alex, go ahead. You know, uh, before the break, you were talking about things that are uh, a mystery known to God. 
And God's providential running of the universe, God's sovereign care of our own lives, but yet our free will. These things, they're not enemies. Uh, you know, they're not things that are contradictory. So God knows. I mean, okay, I want to give a couple of verses. I think they're very special, really, but Psalm 139, 16 through 17, says, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God. So God knows our days. In fact, Job 14, verse 5 says that all of our days are numbered and known to God. And how intimate is God's knowledge of our life? Well, David said in Psalm 139, verse 4, before a word is on my tongue, God knows it. So God knows all things, but yet we have free will. And so if somebody were to take their own life, which nobody should ever do, and don't do that, that's never, never, never justified, but, Bert, i got to say this, and I've talked to people who had attempted suicide and survived, and they said even as they were planning to harm themselves, it was almost like the Holy Spirit was practically shouting at them, don't do it, there's another way. See, Bert, here's the thing. The Bible says with every temptation, God will make a way of escape, won't he? He really will. And, and listen, um, suicide, you know, no, you're hurting so many you really are and uh look unto the lord look unto him get help uh usually suicide is committed when you're by yourself you know and uh so get help that's one reason you're talking about going to sunday school a good reason yes. to go to sunday school is a small group to be a part of a small group that shares together talks together prays together how valuable it is and so yes recommend it highly thank you Olga. let's go to mississippi and talk to Vivian. Welcome, Vivian. Uh, good afternoon. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I have a, I have a question. It's it's a, it is Bible related, but it's about a certain Bible. I have a brilliant, beautiful granddaughter that's graduating this year, and she's been raised up in public schools. And uh, she's a great little girl. I'm just not sure about her heart, and I'd like to give her a good Bible that she can understand and relate to. Okay, mm. versions out there, but they're good versions, and the ESV is a good version. It really is, but Alex, there's some versions that are good, but they have some neat. I, I would say helps in it, you know. Yeah. Some. Uh, uh, how old did did she say? She's the girl graduating went? from high school right uh, this year. Oh well, let me recommend the Apologetic Study Bible yeah. for Students, uh, published by Holman. Uh, Sean McDowell was the general editor. I was a contributor, a lot of great people, but that would be a really good Bible, the Apologetic Study Bible for students. And uh, if I can be so bold, my own book I wrote called Stand Strong in College uh, has a lot of good discipleship. How can I get that book? Uh, Just Google it, like on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or Books A Million, Stand Strong in College. Stand Strong. Uh, Brent, be sure and put that on there for college graduates uh good gift and so vivian we hope that helps now does the apologetics the young persons does it come in different versions or just one version or do you remember alex um i think it's only one version uh and to be honest i think it's a holman christian standard okay that is awesome as well so you've got several the esv holman christian they're great they are good translations they really are vivian Thank you for thinking of your granddaughter. Let's go to Louisiana and talk to Carla. Welcome, Carla. Hi. Um, my question is about Jesus' baptism. So I was reading in Matthew three fifteen where it says, Suffer it to be now, so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. I was wondering if that where it says fulfill all righteousness, if that is talking about a fulfillment of a prophecy about Jesus' baptism baptism by john the baptist ah uh i i do not alex i do not know of any particular you know passage in the old testament concerning jesus baptism uh now what he was doing he was affirming uh john the baptist baptism in john's ministry he was also i would say beginning his own ministry and started that 
Uh, but I don't, can you think of an Old Testament where that would fu- be fulfilled? Um, no, not a prophecy in the sense of fulfilling um, a, a prophecy. But here's the thing. James, uh, the book of James, chapter 2, verse 10, says, If you keep the whole law and offend in even one point, you're guilty of all. So in Matthew 3.15, when Jesus said, um, you know, it is appropriate for us to fulfill all righteousness. Uh, this is a great word here. i got a word for you, folks. You're going to love this. It wasn't the word for fulfill like a prophecy, but it, was, it meant complete. And Bert, have you ever spoken at an event, and they said, you're doing a plenary session? Yeah. Like P-L-E-N-A-R-Y. Plenary means all. Like a breakout session is just for a small group, but the plenary session everybody means everything. comes together, doesn't? And they? regarding the Bible, now folks, listen to this. They'll say we believe in the verbal plenary inspiration of the Bible, meaning God gave the words that's verbal, and then plenary, God gave all of it. Well, in Matthew three fifteen, where Jesus is getting baptized, and he says, you know, uh, it's appropriate because uh, this fulfills all righteousness. The word in the English translated for fulfill is the Greek word for plenary, means complete. In other words, Jesus fulfilled every point of the law totally, completely, and when you're in Christ, you have fulfilled the law. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Amen. And again, I, I would say this, Carla, when you look at Jesus' baptism— and it was beginning of his ministry, and you look at that, and he said, this is where I'm going, and I can't help but always remember when he was, the Holy Spirit came as a dove, and God the Father spoke from heaven. What a day that was. Uh, It affirmed what Jesus was doing and about to do, and it affirmed what John the Baptist was doing. So thank you so much. Let's go to Oklahoma and talk to Cheryl. Cheryl, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you. Thank you for being available. Well, go right ahead. Yes. Thank you for calling in today. Okay. So this is kind of a deep question. I hope it's something that you can kind of help answer. And it has to do with someone being called to be a pastor. And when I'm reading... I see, and I think it's in First Timothy chapter 3, it says, if any man desires the office of, I think it's elder or bishop, then he must be, and then it lists qualifications there on that. And so you'll hear people say, well, I was called into the ministry. I was called into the ministry, but it seems like they don't follow, their, people don't look for these qualifications in these people, and they kind of take it for granted that if somebody says, I was called to be a pastor, then it is automatically true. And I've heard different opinions on exactly what this scripture might mean, but it seems to me it is, if you desire the office, then there are qualifications, and if you don't meet the qualifications, then you're not really called. Does that make sense? It does, Cheryl. Thank you for your call. I'm preaching at Auburn Baptist Church, as I said earlier, and I'm preaching concerning Jeremiah. This is one of the most interesting, and it is related to this, and I'll throw it to you, Alex. Uh, you know, Jeremiah was born into a priestly family. Here he was. Uh, his dad, his grandfather, was priest. But God called him out of the priesthood to be a prophet. Now, I'm telling you, uh, when you was a priest, you had everything there set for you. Matter of fact, your salary, you had your salary, you had all your needs met, you had the routine to go through. Yes, it was a high calling. To be a prophet was a little bit unsure. Let me share with you the pastor, and, I, and I'm just I've, I'm taking it bull by the horns on this one, Alex. The pastor is called as a priestly and prophetic person. Yes, the priest. We do take the people to God in prayer because it talks about praying, but it also getting the word of God and bringing it to the people. And so when that pastor, those that are called, those that have the hand of God on them, it's a very Mm -hmm. high calling. But let me share with you, if you are saved, you ought to be in ministry. Now, it may not be a vocation ministry, but you ought to be in the ministry, shouldn't you, Alex? 
You really should. You really should. I mean, every Christian is to minister. Real, and we've talked about this before. Every Christian has spiritual gifts. And listen, folks, at the moment of conversion, when you trusted Jesus, one or more spiritual gifts were, uh, you know, put into you uh, by the Spirit of God. Uh, and so every Christian has gifts and abilities for the use of the, the church and serving the gospel. Some are called to vocational ministry, and a great passage on that is Ephesians four eleven and 12. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. God uses women, I think, about in um, the Old Testament. Uh, do you remember under King Josiah, they're cleaning up the temple, this in Second se- Kings 22, yeah. and they, they rediscover the somewhat forgotten book of the law. And do you know what they do? And uh, they took it to Josiah. He says, go and inquire of the Lord for the people concerning the words of this book you found. Was it huddle? And they go to uh, uh, hold of the prophet. Yeah, I love that. 14. I was reading they that. Went, I was reading that just a few minutes ago, Alex. And the the prophetess Huldah gave a word from the Lord that uh, God wanted given to the men of Israel. That's Second Kings twenty two fifteen through twenty. But the thing is, when it comes to the New Testament church, uh, and Christ bought the church, He's head of the church, He structured the church, and folks like it or not, but the the role of the senior pastor is to be male. I, it wasn't Burton Alex that invented that. It was Christ. And I, I think regardless of the, the tides of culture, uh, we've got to do the lo- local church structure the way God lays it out in the New Testament. Amen. I agree fully. But let me share this with you. There are some awesome, awesome, godly uh, ladies that are teaching Amen. the Word of God today Oh yeah. that as pastors say, man, I want— uh, K. Arthur to come to our church. I would love for Ann Graham, Graham Lotz, Lotz to come oh, speak yeah. at our church. And what an opportunity that is to hear them so, so much. So, yes, I would say, uh, Cheryl, there's a lot of churches uh, that are looking for pastors, and they are looking at those guidelines. Uh, when you say qualifications, you better be careful because I, I, I know I'm stretching this, Alex, but let's let me say this. When it says having your children in order, the word children is masculine, you know? And if you take it so far, you'd mean that guy would have to have what? At least two children and them be males? Now, that's mm. further than you want to go. But it right. is having them and having those children. There are some guidelines, and I think churches ought to look at them and say, Oh, God, let me and let us be the kind of men that God could use. We're going to be back with more of Exploring the Word right after this break. Hi, I'm Kirby Anderson, president of Probe Ministries and host of the Point of View radio program. You've probably noticed that many young Christians leave the church after they graduate, but they don't have to graduate from God. That's why I want to invite your children and grandchildren to attend the Probe Mind Games Camp in Texas. We prepare them for college and their entry into a world that will challenge their faith. This one-week camp includes lectures, role play, along with some great fun. It will take place June 18th to the 24th. Go to probe.org for more information. Isaiah says we shall beat our swords into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks and nations shall not lift up sword against nation neither shall we study war anymore and I believe that day is definitely coming that Jesus Christ the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords will bring us prosperity harmony but that's not the world we live in yet tune in to the awakening weekdays at noon central on American Family Radio Here's Ellis Craft of Reach a Village Ministries. Children under the age of 15 make up about one quarter of the world's population. That represents two billion children. More than half of the children we encounter at Reach a Village Ministries live in rural farming villages. Their life is difficult, and the chances of them hearing the gospel are almost zero. Christian workers trained and equipped to reach these villages can take the good news of Jesus right into their homes. If you give today, a generous donor is willing to match your gift dollar for dollar. That means that you can help reach 
twice as many children in these difficult-to-reach places. Go to reachavillage.org AFR or call 833-773-2247 or 833-7-REACH-7. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Our world is changing quickly and dramatically, but we don't have to fret. Jesus, as he concluded the Sermon on the Mount, already told us how to prepare ourselves. Submitting ourselves to his word with regularity and consistency is one part of the preparation strategy. The other part is doing what he said. The coming rain, floods, and wind are inevitable. He didn't say if they come, he said when they come. Having Christ's word, but failing to obey him, qualifies one for the Hall of Fools. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for the Hamilton Corner, or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, Public Policy Analyst for the American Family Association. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. We believe in the Holy Spirit and He's given us new life. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bert and Alex with you today, and it's Fireway Friday. We're taking phone calls, and uh, we've got several people online. We're going to try to get to each one of them, and uh, we're hoping that we can. The next person we go to, uh, but before we do that, Alex, I want to do this, and Brent okay. and I were talking about it. It's going to be put on uh, Exploring the Word a Facebook page, okay. Stand Strong in College, and Apologetic Student Bible. Those are good recommendations for those that are graduating about going to college, and so let me say that. Stand Strong in College, and Apologetic Bible for Students, uh, that is a great, great gift. So God bless you. That'll be on there, so we want to make sure uh, we were asked about that, and I hope that'll help. Let's go to Lee, and Lee, it says you're near Alaska. Uh, Does that mean you're in Canada, or where are you? Well, I mean, I'm in Alaska, but uh, I'm originally from uh, Canada, but I'm not really from Canada. We're from an area called the Lissoms, which is between right by south of Alaska there in Canada. Okay. But, uh, do, do you know the question uh, sir, I this... have is we're we're dealing with uh, we're dealing with the problem where we the government of Canada and the United Church of Canada, which involves a lot of Christian churches, the Catholic Church and the Church of England. Uh, had a lot of like in conjunction with Canada they had these schools and they put our kids in them years ago and a lot of our people now don't want to do anything with any Christian churches because they they were sexually assaulted in those schools under the hand of Canada and also those churches and so recently we've had a lot of family members that told us they don't want to participate in the church and so we're having a hard time and and we 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 support them in any church they go to as long as it'll help them look towards jesus christ um Mm. you know we're we're we believe our family believes in in john the baptist and in his his words where he says make make the lord's paths straight we believe that in looking for jesus christ today and so our problem our question is to you guys is how would you help some of these people look past all these things that have happened to them okay and to gain their faith again wow lee thank you for calling first of all and uh, i think this is the first since i've been on first call we've got from alaska alex exactly i was going to say i, I believe, bless you my friend i think you are our very first call from alaska but uh, hey, let, let me just say this. First of all, I commend you for standing strong for Christ. I mean, I, I believe I hear the sincerity in your voice. And, you know, Canada needs to rediscover the gospel. Uh, I know there's a lot uh, in Alaska that need the Lord. And so for your witness for Christ, your commitment to the gospel, I, I applaud you. You know, in talking to people, especially people that have had what we might call a toxic faith experience. We we have to remember that it's it's all about Jesus and nobody ever in all of history has ever come to Christ and said, you know, 
Jesus was bad. No. Uh, Jesus has a 100% customer satisfaction rate, doesn't he, Bert? He does. And this is what I would say, Lee. I, I just want to tell you, you make much of Jesus. That is the whole idea. And I know everybody can say that, but that's what you do. Jesus Christ, he is. Uh, listen, Jesus came into a corrupt religious system. It was the Judaism. They were corrupt at the temple. They were corrupt in, even in the synagogues. You had some that were faithful, but they were corrupt. We're living in a day, especially there in Canada, as you're talking about, but Jesus is still the one. So as best you can, you point them to Christ, and then you watch God do his work. He is working even with a – God worked even in the temple corruptness. He worked even though the synagogues had, had issues, you know, but that is the whole idea. Jesus Christ. Alex, I, I, you never get away from that no matter what your issues are, do you? Uh, well, that that's true. And, you know, I've had a fair amount of people, especially young people. And by, by the way, folks, there are 150 million millennials and younger. And I mean, I'm sorry to say, and this is perhaps another show for another day to do some statistics. But um, of the millennials and younger, you've got millennials, alpha, Gen Z, zillennials. I wrote an article in the the AFA Journal before this one about it. So many of them have a, a negative view of church, but very often it's it's hearsay, because you know I had a young per, a college student say, well, you know the church clergy have molested people and the church has done this this and this bad, and I'm saying, have you tell me if you've had a personal negative experience? And the, the well, no, not me, but I've heard I've heard, and very often, and I'm not trying to be confrontational, but when people throw out this blanket condemnation of the church or the Bible or clergy. I'll say, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry, you know, as an ordained minister for 25 years plus, I, what may I do to make it right? Who, what did somebody do to you? And always it's, well, not me, but I've heard, I've heard. And I, I don't know, Bert, I just, I think that of these millennials and younger that have this predisposition against the church— we need to very respectfully, very gently, but say, can you give me something specific? Yeah. And to be quite honest, I have yet to have anybody have something concrete and specific. That's amazing. Hey, look what God's doing in the millennials. Look at Asbury. Look at other things. God yeah. is at work in Generation Z and millennials. God is at work. Okay, let's go to Illinois and talk to Don. Welcome, Don. Hello. Hey, thank you for your uh, service of uh, ministering to us. Um, I've got a question here. Um, uh, kind of knowing who God is. Now, uh, when we say the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God the Father, the Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. Um, and then Jesus says, uh, the Father and I are one. Um, now, I've heard some prayers say, mothering God, when they say prayers, mothering God. I just wonder, I don't know if I'm making a big deal about this, or is that wrong to say, mothering God? God refers to himself always as God. Jesus return, referred to him as Father, never Mother. But you do see some attributes that God cares like a mother, but he always has the position of Father. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, now, I've heard people, predominantly Catholics, maybe as a, almost an expletive, they'll say, Holy Mother of God, speaking of Mary. But um, really, in all of his revelation, God reveals himself in masculine terms. God the Father, God sent his Son. Um, now, it, there's, uh, there's a part of speech um, or a literary device called a simile, similar, uh, like a mother hen gathers her chicks. How often would I have gathered you, said Jesus over Jerusalem. So there are comparisons like or as, but no, God in his attributes and his nature has revealed himself to be masculine. Amen. Don, thank you, brother, and keep keep trucking, brother. You're standing strong. Let's go to Texas and talk to Jason. Welcome, Jason. 
Gentlemen, thank you so much for doing what you do. I, I really appreciate it. I know I speak for the rest of your listeners. We all really appreciate you all and hope you do it for many years to come. Um, my my question is, uh, it's interesting. I've been listening for about 20 minutes. My, every, every answer you've given touches me personally with my question here regarding uh, spiritual gifts, namely um, in the context of prophecy and, and discernment through the Holy Spirit. I I had a conversation with one of one of my pastors in my church recently and the the question put simply is how do you determine the validity or or the authenticity of a spiritual gift namely prophecy now do you think in in what y'all have seen in the bible and please reference as much as possible if a person is given the gift of prophecy or, or Holy Spirit revelation discernment into people or events, future, anything like that, is that what you think, according to the Bible, is a flawless gift? Is that the kind of thing where the Holy Spirit refuses to let errors occur? Or because we are flawed conduits of the Holy Spirit, we all have you know sins that we wrestle with, can we get in the way of that anointment and improperly or incorrectly use it? Can we make mistakes when trying to use that gift? Thank you, Jason. What a, a question filled with mm. desire. And now let me share this with you. I, and I, it's, I, the Word of God is a more sure word. The Word of God. I have been there when I felt like God was intervening in a way, warning me, you can call it a word of knowledge, or I could say uh, a prophecy about what God was going to do. But the Word of God is the sure word, Jason. It is sure. Let me tell you about the Old Testament. What, how, how did the Old Testament prophets know after they had preached it that it came about, Alex? You know, uh, mm-hmm. that's the, it was determined by what they said and then what occurred. Is that true in the Old Testament? I mean, in the New Testament, excuse me. Well, uh, God bless you. And, and Bert, I'm with you. I commend the listener there. That was a very, very well-worded question. And, you know, uh, the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7, says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Uh, different kinds of service, but the same Lord, different kinds of working. But in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. And so you've got the the gifts of administration. You've got gifts of, uh, I think, discernment is a gift and wisdom, you know, uh, because 1 Corinthians twelve seven says the Spirit gives the message of wisdom, the message of knowledge, uh, the gift of prophecy. Now, in... Uh, Bert, is it um, Romans 12, verse 6, it says, We have gifts that differ according to us, prophecy in proportion to faith. I'm going to say this. I have... um, The canon of Scripture is closed, okay? God's written revelation. Um, I have had people say things in my life that were prophetic, in the sense of being very, very, very wise counsel. But I I do not believe anybody alive today since the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos writing Revelation, uh, I don't think there's anybody writing any more Scripture. So the word prophecy, to prophesy, nowadays is not so much foretelling the future, but forthtelling the, the Word of God. Let's spell now, those. Had, let's spell those so everybody makes sure foretelling F O R E is yes. foretelling what's going to happen. Forthtelling F O R T H is sharing what God has said in His Word. Forthtelling. Right. Okay, go ahead. Alex. And, and Bert and I, we are prophesying in the sense of we, to the best of our ability, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, we are proclaiming what the Word of God says any good pastor or Christian is. You know, in fact, regarding proclaiming the Word of God, 1 Corinthians 14, 39 says, Brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. Bert, I want that. I want people to be eager to prophesy in the sense of telling the whole wide world about the Bible, you know? Amen. But, you know, when John wrote Revelation twenty two twenty one, 
the Bible was finished. He, he kind of put the period on it. God did. And yeah. so what you're doing, if somebody gives you, uh, listen, after I pre, after I surrendered to do God's will and it felt like it was pastoring, preaching, I had different people in my home church, Wheeler Baptist Church up here in Northeast Mississippi, small church. They came and said, we knew it. We knew it. God had, had just shared with you, God's hand was upon you. And I, again, not verbalizing it, but, you know, getting a, a sense of God's direction. And that really encouraged me to know that people had seen in me uh, that would, which would follow through, Alex. So though it's a word of encouragement, a word mm-hmm. of, of stabilization saying, yes, I'm pulling for you in this time. So uh, but I agree with you. For as foretelling, it's off. Forth telling, keep on preaching the word. Thank you, Amen. Jason. Let's go to the last call of the day, and it's from Louisiana, and it's Lance. Lance, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay, you're on, brother. My, Thank you my, for waiting. Yes, sir. My question is, uh, you said that women shouldn't be senior pastors, but isn't there somewhere in Scripture where it says that women shouldn't uh, be teachers of men? So that would disqualify women to be uh, associate pastors and also youth pastors. Okay, let me share with you what I what I said earlier, and I still go, and I think it goes under the senior pastor's authority. When uh, I, you know, I've had Jan and my my wife and Jan, we go to churches and we speak, and I ask her to stand up and share what God has given to her. She's still doing it under the authority of the pastor. And when a pastor invites Jan and me to come, Alex and Lance, Mm -hmm. I ask that pastor, listen, I want your blessing, Jan, to speak and share uh, what her life, her testimony, where it's going. And that's still under that authority. I think it would go to staff members as well. What about you? Yeah. You know, one of the great Bible teachers, she's been in heaven many years, was Elizabeth Elliot. Bert, did you ever listen to Elizabeth uh, Elliot? You better believe it. Yes. And read some uh, well, of her books, too. Oh, famous, famous missionary. Well, she, And she had a lovely voice. I mean, her voice was so soothing. And I used to listen to her all the time. She was a Bible teacher and an amazing Bible teacher. Well, many times people ask her to pastor, and she wouldn't do it. So in the First Timothy 2.12, uh, whether it be Jan or whether it be, you know, um, whomever, Anne Graham Lotz, um, when a woman is teaching or ministering or serving, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that she has usurped authority over a man as long as it's, you know, in order and under the, uh, well, you know, what the, the pastor has, the vision. Um, so women in ministry, absolutely yes. But the senior pastor role, as I read the New Testament, and church history, God designated that to be male. Amen. Hey, listen, Monday, we start in the book of 1 John. Uh, go ahead and read that whole book, and you'll be blessed. Alex, it's going to be great going through 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. We'll start it Monday. We want you to join us on Exploring the Word. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.